three. Hello, and however you may be joining us, thank you for tuning in. Uh, after a uh, long absence, we are back, and um, hopefully better than ever. Um, who knows? We'll, we'll let you all be the uh, determining factor of that. But uh, we're tickled to death to be back with you as we continue our Bible study here. Uh, for new listeners, those that are just joining in, or if it's been so long that you forgot what we were doing, um, the basis of our lesson here is in God we trust, and we looked for a long time at uh, Christian stewardship, how we can be um, good stewards of the things that God has possessed us with. And now we're going to pivot into looking at how we can be uh, a Christian in the business world. Um, and, and many of us, at, at least at this stage of, of our lives, have um, gotten into to management or senior management, and there's some decisions you've got to deal with and wrestle with as a Christian. And um, we're going to try to help you do that. Uh, with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, Mr. Michael Ray. Uh, Michael, how's everything in Somerset? Everything is beautiful, my friend. It's been too long. Turns out, um, turns out without COVID that life gets busier uh, and that, that causes some difficulties. But we're going to do better. We're going to do better. We're going to, uh, we're going to make a point to uh, try to inflict this on the people more often. Right. And um, it has been surprising that there's actually demand. Uh, you know, there's several that have asked us about uh, when we're going to get back, and um, you know, like you. we've told most of you, we were pretty sure there was only two listeners, um, Donna and my mom. Um, we were pretty sure that was our, the sum total of our audience, uh, but we enjoy it, and it's a good study for us. It helps us uh, stay sharp on some of this stuff, and uh, really what we're doing here is just letting you a little bit into our world of how we debate and discuss and try to figure some things out, um, more so in this study even than in the last one. Uh, this study is is really probably the last, you know, I'd say close to 10 years of, of uh, mine and Michael's life of, you know, every time we kind of hit one of these tough decisions, you got to make it work. We call each other, bounce stuff off, you know, hey, what do you think about this? I've got to do this versus that. And we try to come back with some scriptural answers, some some precedent here um, that we can guide through it. We're, we're, I, I assure you, we do not have all the answers. Um, I will further assure you that you may disagree with some of the stuff we said. This, this is the best that we got. Um, hopefully what we we're going to do here is start a dialogue and hopefully what we do is get you thinking about some things and have some principles um, uh, of where to go there. Um, but kind of to start all of this though, Michael, um, and, and you've done some good work in this area. So I'm, I'm going to kind of give you the baton here for a minute. Uh, is work even important? I mean, I, you know, I feel like sometimes we get down these paths of, does this have anything to do with my relationship with God? I mean, we're talking about clocking in and clocking out. We're talking about, you know, a corporation or whatever. Um, does this really have anything to do with my relationship with God? And should you and I be, you know, as anxious as we are when we try to make these decisions? Well, I think that's, that's the key question, right? Is, or at least the first question. And, and as we, as we thought about uh, what we wanted to do with kind of this next group of studies that we were doing, um, there's, there's a lot of Christians in the workplace. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's the, it's the nature of life in the United States in the year 2020 is, is there's the, it's the economics of, of our environment are that many of us spend our, our days in the workplace. And that has a certain set of responsibilities and expectations and, and things we're accountable for. And <clears throat> is it, is it reasonable to say that that portion of our lives is completely divorced from all things spiritual? Um, that I, you know, I, I gotta go, I gotta go do my thing at the workplace um, and get that behind me so that I can be a Christian. Um, I got, I gotta put in my 40 hours so that I can be a Christian. Um, I think we would, we would, we would, would both argue that 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 cannot be the way that Christians look at their uh, work lives. It's, it's, it's too much a part of our lives. Now, it can be get to the point where it's too much part of our lives, right? Where it defines us and that we define ourselves by our occupation and that, that should never be the way the Christian defines himself. But at the same time, it's a large part of our, of our hours spent during the week. And so to think that it is divorced from our Christianity um, is to take God out of one of the biggest parts of our lives. And, and I would add to that. And what I think, I hope the point that we make, not just tonight, but going forward is not just take God out of one of the biggest parts of our lives, but, but remove one of God's biggest opportunities to work within us in our lives. So 
I mean, however many hours, waking hours we've got, uh, I require a little more sleep than Mike does. I mean, just, just you know, this, this, this takes a little longer to get ready. Uh, but, you know, however many, however many hours God gives us, if, if we are not utilizing opportunities for God during the work hours, well, how much of our lives are we saying, are we saying that God does not have any uh, opportunities to work in us in these hours? I, I just, I can't imagine going before the throne and saying that, that not, there just wasn't any chance for, for God to work in me in those hours. And so um, the, the, I think that's the point that we'll try to make tonight to lay the foundation is, is yeah, God really does care what happens during those hours. And, and, and I want quickly, and then I'll let you make, make another point is, I want to touch on something you said is, is I'm not an expert in this, in this field by any means. And, and I think kind of by nature, by doing this, maybe we, we kind of purport ourselves to be experts, but I think, I think we need to kind of like clearly disclaim on the front that we're not, we are, we are what this study kind of intends to be. That's Christians at work. That's what we are. We're, we're Christians in the workplace and we, we are struggling through the answers to some of these questions. And, and, and we're, we're trying to be the A1 Christians while, and, and can you, can you do that at the same time that you're an A1 employee? And that's an important question. And, and one that I think God wants us to answer. And so um, we, we, there's other people who are more qualified to do this, who have put more study in this, but uh, again, we're your Facebook friend. And so if we can, if we can, um, if we can have some of these conversations and you can help us and we can help you with some of the stuff that that's, that's what we're about. We're just Christians at work and, and we're trying to fight through the issues that come along with being that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can't double down on that disclaimer enough. Um, we will throughout this study cite guys that are a lot smarter than we are. Um, you know, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A wrote a great book uh, about some of the stuff. We're going to cite some other guys that we've read along the way. Uh, but but here's the point, you know, where in the last study, if you were along with us, um, you know, I, we are very qualified in that field, okay? You know, Michael's a CPA, I'm a CFP, we're qualified in that field. In this field, um, we're going to tell you as much to learn about the dumb things that we've done as we talk about, you know, how we just make decisions when we approach things. Um, the basis of this came really from, as I said, a lot of our conversations um, that we've just had professionally, you know, that, that, Hey, how, you know, how do I do this? How do I go about that? And I, I, I want to really, really double down on another thing that Michael said that is so vitally important. And, and this is not just about work. This is life in general. We cannot compartmentalize our lives and pretend that there's places that God doesn't go. You know, if, if we belong to Jesus, then God's there with us at work. God's there with us at home. God's there with us at play. God's there with us at church. I think sometimes, you know, and, and maybe it's a coping mechanism. What we try to do is that, you know, I, I need to, you know, I've got X hours a week for God, you know. So, you know, when I go to church, um, you know, three or four hours on Sunday and a couple hours on Wednesday night, maybe a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study. And that's my God time during the week. Uh, that's wholly wrong. When we become gods, all of our time, all of the things that we're doing, all of the places that we go, every decision we make belongs to him. So until we start looking at our lives that way, we're going to end up in a lot of these fallacies to say, you know, work Mike would do things that church Mike wouldn't do. And, and see how like crazy that that sounds. But I feel like many of us and present company included, because Michael and I have had these conversations that, you know, I'm okay doing this at work, but I wouldn't be okay doing this at home or at church. Ah, that's, a, that's usually our first sign that we've made a mistake, right? That, that when we put ourselves in situations where we say, for whatever reason, I'm okay with this decision, but only because it happens in this part of my life, we've got to, we've got to change. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's important that when we belong to God, God owns everything and we are stewards of God's things. And in this case, stewards of God's time and God's ability when we're working for whatever XYZ corporation we're at. And that, there's part of that, Mike, that almost goes back into a clergy laity kind of thing that we can fall into at times is that, 
you know, there are, there are professional Christians and, and they're the ones that, they're the ones that speak to us twice on Sunday. Right. And then, and then there's, there's the rest of us and, and our occupations are divorced from Christianity. And, and I, I think that what I would say rather is, is that um, all of us take God to work and, and that, and that, God has expectations of all of us at work and, and that all of us, um, no matter, no matter what occupation it is inside the home, outside the home, all of our occupations, um, that, that, that God knows and cares that we, that, that all of our occupations are holy, that all of our occupations are God, um, centered and God glorifying activities. And so, um, there, there's not, uh, it's not as if, and, and believe me, I have utmost respect for those who devote themselves to the preaching of the gospel and, and earn their livelihood from that. They, they worthy of all the accolades we can give them, but but it is not as if that that those who make a living in the secular world are somehow second class Christians to those people. They, they just they have a different um, mechanism of of earning their livelihood, but their their accountability for for how they're doing their work um, still exists. In a lot of ways, it's very similar. Is it, is it, what is the influence that we're having in the corner of the world where we are? It, and, and we, we are not, um, we're, we're not laity. We're not, we're not, um, you know, part-time Christians because we're, we're employed. So uh, I'm, at that point, I'm going to jump into a uh, uh, presentation here that we've kind of worked on. that kind of, I think makes this point and, and starts in, in Colossians chapter three and verse 23 that whatever job we're doing, and this is the point that I was trying to make clumsily, whatever job we're doing, we're doing it for the Lord. And, 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 and that is precisely what Paul tells the brethren in Colossae. Whatever you're doing, work at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not for people, because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. Serve the Lord Christ. And so if I'm an accountant, am I serving God more or less? You know, yeah, yes, I'm serving if, if you're a financial planner, are you serving the Lord in that capacity? Yes. If, if I'm, if I'm on the front line of a production facility, am I serving the Lord in that? In that? Absolutely. And so the, the, the concept that, that only uh, preachers and elders have jobs that, that are serve the Lord. I think we got to get over that, um, that hurdle in our thinking is that my job, whatever your job is, my job serves the Lord. And, and, and the way that we do it in, in the manner and the, the attitude that we take to it kind of, you know, affects whether we're serving the Lord um, as he would intend or not. Right. And, 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 you know, one of the things I thought of as you were saying that, um, you know, our org chart that we've got out here, we've had for now 30 seconds and we already need to make an adjustment to it. Right. So at the top of the org chart, as most of you have seen in your corporation is, you know, shareholders, board of directors, CEO, but really there's an above that because everybody answers to God. You know, we really should have God at the top of this org chart because it doesn't matter where you are all the way down this thing. If you've got 27 levels between you and the top, ultimately all of us answer to God for everything that we do. And when we work, we work as if we're working for God. I'm not working for XYZ Corporation. Yes, they may sign my paycheck, However, ultimately, I am responsible to God for my effort, for my energy, for my honesty, for my integrity, for what I put in uh, to earn a wage. And, and if, if I'm, you know, when I'm cheating the time clock, I'm not cheating XYZ company, I'm cheating God out of that. And, and I think we've got to look at things that way that ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we don't report to a mid-level manager or an executive vice president, we're, we're reporting to the Lord. And, and that's, that distinction alone, it, if you're listening to us and haven't thought about things that way, is, is probably worth the cost of admission. You know, if you can just get that part down, I, I think you're going to be wholly better in everything that you do. So our, our goal uh, through the series is a, maybe an ambitious goal. We, we, we probably should have <laughs> thought more about this. But, you know, our, our goal as we go through a series of lessons about Christians in business is we want to tackle every um, box on that organizational chart and say, as, um, as a, in the, in the sales department, what, what kind of unique, 
um, responsibilities and challenges does that create for Christians in the in production, in accounting, in HR? What what unique challenges and responsibilities does that create for the Christian? But in order for that, as CEO, you know, as 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 business leaders, if you're if we're in that position, what what kind of special challenges does that create? So we want to tackle all those individually in subsequent lessons. Today, we want to lay the groundwork of you know, why is, why is business important to God? Why is what we do at the work in the workplace important to God? And so, you know, Colossians kind of starts that conversation, but there's, there's a lot of other verses that, that we could go to, to, to help make that point. Ephesians six would, would, would kind of be the sister passage to, to the passage in Colossians. Uh, it's referring here to slaves, but, but no question that the, the, uh, lessons here can be, um, applied to employees in, in our more 20th century setting also. Uh, Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not like those who do the work only when someone is watching as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people, because you know that if each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. And so, um, that, that concept of what you really are is what you do when no one's watching. It's not a human, it's not a human invention. It's what Paul told the, the, the workers in Ephesus 2000 years ago, um, that because our, as you said, our, our primary responsibility in our work life is not to our boss, but to God, we work as though we know he's watching. Um, and so, yeah, what we do at work does matter. You know, again, that's significant. I, I love the way, um, you know, when, when you break down Ephesians 6, you know, obey with enthusiasm, right? I, I, I think that, that changes some things, right? Sometimes when we go to work, you know, have you, you know, come in and, you know, I hate this place. I don't want to be here. I, you know, I hate everybody that works here. You know, I think we've, we've had those bad days. And sometimes, especially when senior management, or, uh, you know, your immediate supervisor makes a decision that you don't agree with. Um, and, and especially if it turns out they were wrong and said decision, right? I, we can come in and, you know, very quickly get disenfranchised, get down, um, slack off on our work, not do the things that we should. But it's significant here that the way it's that um, Paul writes it in this explanation is obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people. I, that's that's the key to our change of, of mindset it's got to be that that we're not it's, it's not about my boss it's not about you know my coworkers. it's not it's it's greater than that um and, and if we can get that you know again i, I think that's that's changing and how uh, how we'll be as employees and employers in in the middle of that in the middle of that passage where uh paul says that that the, the brethren in ephesus and obviously by application we um as slaves of Christ, we do the will of God from the heart. I think if you, if you dig into the, to the Greek there, that, that's a word that is more often translated soul. It's kind of used accommodatively here as work from the heart, but I, I think I like the translation. I think it is actually in some uh, other translations that, that we're, we're doing the will of God from the soul, that, that our, our work, the effort, the enthusiasm, the energy, the honesty, the integrity, all those things that, that we put into our work life, we work um, do, as if we were doing the will of God from our soul. That this is a this is a soul including activity. You know, maybe if you've heard work described as soulless, you know, whether it's a it's a drudgery or it's it's soul sapping or you've heard those terms. The Christians cannot have that type of employment. And I'm not saying that type of job. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying that Christians can't have that type of job. I'm saying they can't take that type of attitude, because because we we bring our soul into what we do, and so it, it should be clear that a Christian um, uh, a Christian has a different impact on the workplace because we're we're bringing our soul into what we do, that that our uh, our effort, our intensity, our our integrity, um, we're we're serving God. I think it's so interesting there that it says we're doing the will of God. It's God's will that we put this effort into our work lives. It's God's will and we're going to serve it from our soul. Man, if I, if I told you that you were going to do God's will and you were going to do it from your soul, you're thinking about something that is deeply, deeply spiritual. 
and, and Paul puts those words into context in Ephesians 6 is that that's what that's where our work life is. Our work life is doing the work of God. We're going to do it from our soul. And, and here's the thing. I think sometimes for, for, for us, that's easy to do if you're in the C-suite, right? I, I, I think it's, it's easier to do when you're in upper management, when you're in vision, when you're a CEO. But I, I, I want us to be very clear about who he's addressing. If you're sweeping the floor, if your job is to sweep the floor at your corporation, you're doing that from the soul. If your job is to turn a nut for your corporation, you're turning that nut from the soul. If you're a bean counter, if you're whatever, all of those things, it, it, your job is not insignificant. I think that's, that's really what I want to try to hammer at here is sometimes we think I have such a diminished role at this company, it doesn't matter. And that's not true. He's addressing here, you know, these slave laborers in Ephesus, which would have, you know, this is an agricultural based society. These are the guys that were out doing the hardest labor work in the fields. And he's saying you out there that are, you know, strapped to the plow that are picking seeds that are picking weeds, you are working from the soul. And, and, and that cannot be to me in my mind, that cannot be overstated is that we can't diminish ourselves and therefore give less effort because our job's not important. And, and, and also the fact that, again, our, our, the, the primary um, audience of our work is, is God in Christ. And, and that, that, that should just, that fact, that simple fact should make the Christian distinct in the workplace that we're bringing, we're bringing salt to the workplace, that we're bringing a distinctiveness, a distinctive flavor to the workplace. We're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the workplace because we are doing the will of God from our soul. And, uh, and I, I think that's just a, a fascinating look at what God um, thinks about, thinks about our work. Proverbs 14, 23, Mike, I'll let you take the reins on that one. In hard in all hard work there's profit, but merely talking about it only brings poverty. Um, this has always been kind of one of my favorite verses in this context, um, because in, in a lot of these things we can talk <laughs> and we can say a lot of things, and you know listen especially as you get into you know in, in my world and in Michael's world we've kind of gone up into management throughout our careers. And, and when you get into, you know, sales management and you're doing these things, there, there's all these quotes you can put on the wall and posters and pithy sayings and all that. But talk is talk. <laughs> and unless you're acting on that, uh, unless you're actually doing the hard work and, and, and making those decisions, uh, you can talk yourself right into to poverty. You can talk yourself right into blowing up a very good thing because, you know, you're more worried about, you know, an inspirational quote than you are about doing the work. Um, and, and, and in these things, you know, we, we can talk about it. We can talk about these concepts, but until we put them into practice, until we put them into work, um, it, it's the same thing like a Bible study, right? You know, you go to Bible study on Sundays, on Wednesdays or on zoom or however you're doing that. But if you don't take what you learned in the Bible study and apply it to your lives, you, I, I don't know why you went, you know, we, we we're equipping ourselves with these ideologies we're equipping ourselves with this truth so that we can then act on it and it's the same thing when we're talking about in, in the workplace is that you know there's got to be hard work there's got to be things that actually have to get accomplished not just talk about it. i'm going to take that same verse and take a little different angle on it um and obviously co-sign on everything you said there in in all hard work there's profit well i tell you what i, I know a lot of folks that work really hard and Maybe they maybe the, the paycheck does not uh, indicate that there was a lot of profit there. Um, now, obviously, just talking about it will, will lead to financial poverty. To your point, that that's the practical lesson. I think there's a spiritual angle here too. That in all hard work, if we are doing the will of God from the soul, in all hard work there is profit. And I would go back to the end of the Ephesians six passage to talk about maybe where some of that profit is. It's not just the financial reward, although Proverbs, no question, is talking about that to some extent. But it's not only the financial reward, but the end of Ephesians chapter 6, in that passage we read, that um, will be, it says, if, if, if one does something good, they will be rewarded by the Lord. So our, our reward for our doing the will of God from the heart 
is not just in um, the financial aspect that maybe Proverbs 14 is talking about more directly, but just again, probably something that is, is implied, but we should say it out loud is there's, there's spiritual reward here, or there is spiritual consequences here based on our work life. And, and I don't know how often that we sincerely put time into thinking about that, that there are eternal consequences to my enthusiasm, effort, integrity, and am I doing the will of God from the soul and what I'm doing here in the workplace today? I don't know how often we contemplate that that has eternal consequences. We, we think about, am I going to keep my job? <laughs> am I going to get, am I going to get a raise? Am I going to get a promotion? Um, well, what's this going to do to me eternally uh, puts that on a, on a completely different plane. Right. And, and, and I want to kind of back up a little bit too, to one of the things you said a minute ago, because I had to do some scratch math while you were talking. So, and, and it's sad that I actually had to do this math. Uh, but if we take our 24 hour day, right. And we're going to sleep for eight of those hours. All right. And, and some people more, some people less, but on average, let's say we sleep for eight of them. We're going to work for eight of those hours too. Right. That's half of what's left, my man. Right. That, so out of what we got, that's half our time left. You throw in Saturdays and Sundays and the math drops a little bit, but 35% of your week, you're with these coworkers. You're around these people. Now that that's pretty amazing when we think about, you know, a third of our time we're asleep, you know, a third of our time we're going to be with our coworkers. And then a third of the time we're, we're, we're with our family. Um, what kind of influence do we have when, when we're the disgruntled coworker? Um, what's our salt taste like? What's our light look like? when we think about the time that we're there. And, and I think that's part of these eternal consequences is, you know, what, what are you reflecting in your relationship with God when a bulk of your week is here? You know, when we start backing out how, how much time we spend taking showers and, you know, eating and using the bathroom, there is a large percentage, an overwhelming percentage of our time that we're with, interacting with coworkers, interacting with people out here. Um, and, and when we're doing that, you know, I, that salt, that light means something. Uh, and, and I think we've got to be, when we look at the profit that comes, we, you know, how many of us, and, and let's just, you know, take a second here and, and think about this. How many people in your workplace, and I assure you, if you go into any office and work anywhere, there's a lazy coworker somewhere there, there is the guy that is doing everything he can to beat the company out of an hour's worth of work every week. How respected is he? How much do people go to him for his opinion or her? I mean, I'm, I'm just making up this, you know, uh, person here, but are they trusted? Are they called upon? Does their opinion matter? If they said, Hey, you know, uh, I beat the company out of work every week, but, uh, you should probably try to come to church with me because we're going to have a gospel meeting this weekend. I mean, do we really want to go and be like that person? Is that who we emulate? Or do we look at the people that work hard, that are enthusiastic, that have a good attitude? Aren't those the people that we're generally attracted to, that, that they kind of have this sphere of influence? Um, and don't we want to kind of do what they do? Where's that guy go to church? What part of town does he live in? Where's his kids go to school? Now, we start to kind of look and make decisions that way to think, you know, this is probably the path I ought to be on as opposed to the guy down the street that's trying to beat us out of time. So, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so our influence matters is, is the long way of saying that. Yeah, and I, I would say not not just in our effort, and I think that's what you highlighted there for sure, but also, you know, who keeps a level head when, when things are going sideways? Uh, who, who's panicking and flying off the handle? Who, who answers a harsh word with a harsher word? Who, uh, you know, all of those all those things matter. And so if we are the person who not only works hard, but keeps our head in difficult situations, who t t t turns the temperature in the room down when things are getting heated, um, if we got all those qualities, we're gonna become the person that people come to when they have life issues. That is, that's precisely what the Christian can be in the workplace. Um, and I think, that, I think that speaks to, you know, what, what is talked about here in Matthew 22, Mike, is, is uh, again, familiar with the context, 
but this is in, in also recorded in Luke, obviously, but in, in, I think followed by the parable of what we call the parable of Good Samaritan. But a lawyer asked a question to test him. Um, teacher, speaking to Jesus, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I can't imagine who's more of a neighbor than the guy in the workstation next to you. Yeah, and, and that's and if you remember the Luke context, the follow up question: Well, which one of these guys is my neighbor? You know, right? That's it's it's immediately trying to to whittle that world down, and I think that's something that that we do too, right? Is that you know my neighbor? We put you know parameters on that. You know, my neighbor either is the guy that actually lives next door, or maybe the people that I go to church with, but what about our, our clients, our patients, our coworkers, our bosses, our, uh, you know, uh, various lines within the company, our peers. I mean, uh, aren't those our neighbors too? I mean, and, and if they're all our neighbors and I need to love them as myself, how, how does that manifest and, and how do I make sure that that's manifest in the workplace? Do I, you know, and, and this is the, the kind of cheesy thing we always say, right. Is how would this corporation work if everybody worked as hard as you did, right. You know, we, you've heard that in every meeting you've ever been in, you know, if, if all we did was clone you and everybody did the same thing, would we still be in business at the end of the week? And, and that's, you know, all well and great. Um, and, and there's a kernel of truth to that. But the truth is, you know, what does your, you know, attitude, what is your actions, what is your integrity, what is your honesty, you know, what is that saying to your neighbor? Are, are you, are you loving them? Are you showing them grace? Are you showing them mercy? Are you attentive to them? Are you, you know, witnessing to them? Are, are you, you know, somebody that they can look to that sees Jesus because you love, that's the ultimate act of love is if I can get you to Jesus, that, that's the best thing you can do for anybody. But am I, is work, Mike, getting in the way of you meeting Jesus? And, and that's, that's a problem, if, if it is. Yeah. Or is work, Mike, facilitating you getting to Jesus? That's a heavy, that's a heavy thought, right? If, if work, Mike, or in my case, work, Michael, if, uh, <laughs> if, if work, Mike, is, is getting in the way of somebody in Jesus, man, that, that's pretty heavy. And, and, you know, the, if the definition of to glorify is to make bigger. I think that's maybe an oversimplified way of thinking about that. Does, does my work life make God bigger to those around me or does it make God smaller? And if, if you know, the, the American efficiency model has, has, has driven a lot of uh, personal interaction out of the workplace maybe, but how many of us can look around our our office, if we work in an office, our production floor, if we work in that environment, whatever environment we're in and say, you know, I love these people because that is exactly what Jesus says here. We better be able to. And, and, and I think we understand that, that what loving them would entail. And as you mentioned, you know, you know, providing a, uh, a pathway to Jesus would be the, the highest form of that, but we better be able to look around and say that and say it sincerely and not snarkily and not uh, sarcastically. And if we can't do that, what are we doing? I don't know who would be more our neighbor. Uh, and, and, and if we, if we think that that is awkward or we think that's impossible, uh, I, I don't know what we think Jesus is saying here. And, and I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how things are in Eagle's Nest, but I, I, I've got great neighbors here on the street and we speak maybe once every 10 days. Um, that's part of what makes them great, but they're avoiding you. <laughs> just, it's great. We, we, we wave, sometimes make eye contact, but you know, when we think about, you know, who is our neighbor, you know, am I, am I more interested in talking to the guy that's house happens to adjoin mine or, you know, the coworkers that I'm in three meetings a week with, you know, I, I think sometimes we're, you know, we will, for the sake of the kingdom, maybe go door knocking in our neighborhood and introduce people and invite them to church. But how much do we just have a good example with the people that, that we see every day and that spend eight hours with us um, or, you know, 
nine or 10 hours, depending on what you do for a living. Uh, you know, so I, that's, I think, I think that's significant who, who we define and, and what we do to reach out to them. So does God care about our action at the workplace? No question. Uh, I hope we, we laid that, laid that foundation. The next, the next point that, that I would uh, attempt to make, and I'll start in Genesis two to make, to make this point is, well, does, does God care about what businesses do in general? Um, and, and so a couple of points on that, on that topic. First of all, from Genesis two fifteen, um, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and to maintain it. Uh, that's New English translation. The English standard would say to work it and keep it. Um, so Mike, test your early Genesis uh, chronological knowledge here. Where does that fall? Where does that passage work chronologically in relation to the fall? Uh, that would have been pre-fall. That would have been circuit day eight. Yeah. So, so keep in mind that if we've got this idea of what utopia is that, that we are um, reclining, um, getting fanned and fed grapes every day, that, that God's vision of perfection in Eden was that Adam worked. That, that, that this, is, this is before the fall. This is before, um, you know, what, what God said to Adam at the fall was that his, his job was going to become difficult, right? That, the, that if I could put it in, in 2020 lingo, the workplace isn't going to be perfect. There's going to be conflict and there's going to be selfishness and there's going to be, there's going to be theft and there, there's going to be difficulty. And, and, and sometimes, um, sometimes we're not going to hit the budget and sometimes the, you know, we're not going to be able to make payroll and there's going to be difficulty. That's the result of the fall. But work was always part of the plan that, that we are supposed to work. We're made to work. In, in some capacity. And I think we learned that from, from, from Adam in Genesis two. Um, go ahead. This idea here that, um, you know, and, and I, th I think maybe some really are, uh, believe that, that, you know, we, we were not ever intended to work and they read the fall and they think that, you know, well, that's when Adam actually had to do stuff, but that's, that's not it. I mean, what he, what he said in the curse was now with thorns and thistles, you have to deal with it. Right. It, it, what he said is the degree of difficulty went up, not work. Adam didn't look at him and say, well, what's work? It was, you know, now it's going to hurt when I work is, is the end of it. And now, um, you know, everything's not going to go the, the way I thought it would. There's consequences of sin and there's, you know, and sometimes it's not just your sin that you got consequences of. You, there's consequences of other people's sin that could bring down a corporation. Uh, you know, so to the best of your ability, you can't always control everything. So, so that's part of it. But, Here's the other thing that I think that's implied in, in this understanding that, that work matters to God. If, if God created us to work, then he cares about how we work, doesn't he? I mean, I, 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 that sounds like way oversimplified, but if God created us to work, he therefore cares that's part of who we are. And one of the things that, that we're going to have to answer for, because that's what we were created to do. That was our purpose. Um, or at least part of our purpose here uh, on, on this earth. So, you know, we've got to, to take that seriously. And, and again, it doesn't, and I can't, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I, I just don't want to, by any stretch of the imagination, have you missed this. It, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, if you're working for a for-profit company or non-for-profit company. It doesn't matter if your job is taking care of the kids and the family at home and maintaining the family budget and you don't see a true wage, that does not matter. What matters is the task that's in front of you, what you work to do, that's what matters. Your effort and your energy you put into whatever your job is, whether you're sweeping floors or changing diapers, none of that matters. What matters is what, how you approach the task that you have in front of you in your life. And, and if we were made to work, and if God cares how we work, then it would flow out of that naturally that, that what, what Paul says in second Corinthians, excuse me, second Thessalonians makes sense that, that Paul says he was an example uh, for them to imitate that if not, if someone's not willing to work, then he shouldn't eat. Um, and I think as we said in, in previous lessons on, on, uh, you know, financial stewardship, it's not that somebody's not able to find work. We know that that happens from time to time or that somebody, um, 
loses their job and needs assistance, that, that happens. But I like the New English translation here. He says, if anyone is not willing to work, if someone is not willing to do what God put them on earth to do, um, there's consequences to that. Paul makes that point in Second Thessalonians. So again, uh, to your point, we, we may be uh, overstating our case here, but God cares. God cares that we work. God cares how we work. God, we were made to work, and and to think that that our work lives don't matter to God is is a uh, is a fallacy. Yeah, and and, and dangerous, <laughs> quite honestly. Absolutely. And I think you know when you look at at the comments there in Second Thessalonians. So so quick backstory to this, and this again is a fallacy we get into. There were several in Thessalonica and also in Ephesus that thought. Jesus' return was imminent. You know, Jesus is coming. You know, when, when we sing that song, Jesus is coming soon, they thought like tonight. So they didn't work. They were waiting for Jesus to come. But what happens when you have idle time on your hands? You go battle in affairs of other people, right? You end up gossiping and doing all this other. If you are not put to the task that God has for you, you will get in trouble. It happens every single time. And so what Paul is reiterating is, you know, we believe Jesus is coming, but until he gets here, he expects to find his work in. He does not expect us to be laid in a hammock somewhere waiting on him to get here. He expects to find us at work. And I believe that, that it's going to be problematic if he doesn't find us at work. And whatever that, again, whatever that work is. I, I also want to make sure I'm clear here that retirement age from the workplace is not retirement age from work. <laughs> you know, I think we, we've seen that in some churches that, you know, uh, you, you work hard and you save money so that you can retire and you don't have to go punch a time clock. Um, but then you also retire from the Lord's work too. And, and you're not, you know, influencing people. You're not teaching classes. You're not using all that wisdom and knowledge that you've acquired over years and years and years to do good in the kingdom. Listen, we're, we're always supposed to be working. Our scope of work may change. But as long as we have breath, as long as we got energy, you know, we're always to be about something. And, and again, the size and scope of that may change. You know, young men can work with their backs. When you get old, you can't do that so much. But there is work. There is influence. There is wisdom that we can share uh, with others. And that's got to be part of, of our entire lives. Amen. Um, so, again, as, as we go into future lessons, we'll, we'll touch on um, some of these specific roles in some detail. The, the last, and I didn't, don't have this verse available on screen, but Mike, the last verse that I want to discuss, and I jumped the gun, I'm almost bringing this up a few moments ago, is does it matter, does it matter that, that workplaces, that businesses exist? Would God be happier if they didn't? Um, and so here, here I'll, I'll start in Genesis 2 to make this point, is... <clears throat> On the eighth day, you know, right after God rested, Moses writes this for our learning. These are the generations of the heaven and earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. I mean, Genesis 2.5. In other words, there's no crops. I think that's what Moses is trying to get. There's no vegetation, edible vegetation. There's no crops yet. Why are there no crops? For the to and and Moses gives two prerequisites to crops necessary for human flourishing. Two things that are necessary for that to happen. There was no plant, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the grain. Isn't that fascinating? That all the way back in Genesis chapter two and verse five, that for the things that we need to flourish, in order for those things to come about, they require God's blessings and man's effort. Every time. Um, there, there are spiritual implications to that, that if we want to grow spiritually, it requires God's blessings and man's effort. But, but I would tell you, um, from in, in the context of what we're studying, that if we want any good to happen, it's going to require God's blessing and man's effort. You know what? You know what was required in order for penicillin to be created? God's blessing and man's effort. You know what was required for the iPhone and the automobile 
and the internet and, and Zoom that we're recording this on, it required God's blessing and man's effort. I'm not saying that all of those men were godly. I'm sure that they weren't. But you know what? Through God's blessing and their effort, we're able to share this with you. And, and that, I think that that concept is, is critically important to understanding why business matters, why the workplace matters. Because things like, even as simple as, and I've been through this exercise before, I think it's really interesting. God promised us, or um, Jesus asked his disciples to pray for their daily bread. And so sometimes my kids will say that prayer, give us today our daily bread. How many businesses are involved in getting you your daily bread? I, I think we would be astounded. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there is an agricultural business um, that, that grows that wheat, right? But behind that agricultural business, there is a farm equipment business that sold him the tractor. There's a fertilizer business that sold him the, the chemicals. There's a seed business that sold, that sold him the seed. That farmer worked the land and produced that. It was sent to a business that milled the grain. It was sent to a business that produced the flour. It was sent to a business that baked the bread. It was sent to a business that distributed that bread to grocery stores, which is the business where I went and bought. And in between every one of those steps were hundreds of other businesses in support roles. And the the, the company that made the bag that the bread goes in and and all of the, the HR and accounting functions that go along with all of those businesses for me to get my daily bread requires God's blessing and a boatload of man's effort in a ton of different businesses. And to think that the blessings that we get uh, don't require the effort in some way, uh, I, I just think that it's so important to realize that so many of God's blessings come about in that way because people are working the will of God from their soul. Right. Yeah. I mean, Think about the last time that you were thankful for the twist tie or the bag that the bread came in. I mean, yes. just, but those are, those are businesses. Those are, you know, multi-million dollar corporations that employ probably hundreds of thousands of people that are all along the way that are part of the process of, of you getting your daily bread. That that's really it. Um, and, and that's what we're going to strive to do. Please, 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 as you listen to this, as you think about this, as, as stuff's come up in your life, send us questions because that, that, what we're going to try to tackle is just some stuff, maybe three to five questions from each one of these departments as we go through it. Um, you know, uh, hey, as, as, as a sales manager, I, I'm a sales manager. That's what I do in my, in my current role. Um, so there's several things that I've had to deal with. Um, uh, you know, Michael, again, heads up, you know, a lot of accounting and AR and AP stuff. Um, where he's at. So, you know, we've got some expertise in those where those places, um, to my knowledge, Michael, you've never worked in HR. Uh, not, not professionally. <laughs> no. All right. I, I've never I, worked in HR. I dabble in it on an amateur basis. Correct. Very, very amateurly. We, we make all kinds of HR mistakes, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, we're, we're not, that's not our, our, our wheelhouse. Um, you know, IT stuff, production stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just not our, our wheelhouse, but if that's yours and there are difficult things you've wrestled with, or maybe there's something you're wrestling with right now, send those to us because we'll pick them apart. We'll try to find scriptures to match up to them um, and, and, and try to get there. I want to, I want to leave it, leave us with a quote. Um, so again, I talked about in the beginning that there's some, some smart guys that, that I like to read. Um, there's a book called your work matters to God uh, by Douglas Sherman and William Hendricks. And in their book, they, this, is, this is what kind of you know, motivates me. Here's what they write. The key to bringing the culture and the church back together to renewing the workplace and reforming the church may well be a movement of people who are known for their hard work, for the excellence of their effort, for their honesty and unswerving integrity, for their concern for the rights and welfare of people, for the quality of the goods and services produced, for their leadership among co-workers, in short, for their Christ-likeness on and off the job. What could an army of such workers accomplish? Mm. You know, I, every time I read that, it, it, it jumps off the page to me, and I think about we pray for revival, we ask for revival, we want to show the seed of the kingdom, and we want to expound the borders of the kingdom. Maybe, just maybe, the place we can start that's at work maybe just maybe these neighbors that we spend time with 
maybe how our light shines in our honesty and our integrity and our leadership, maybe that's the best way to introduce them to Jesus. Maybe an army of us out there working because God created us to work, influencing because that's what God created us to do, and being enthusiastic about it, maybe that's, that's what we need to do to be able to introduce people to Jesus, um, to show them why we're different. Um, that's our hope. I mean, that, that's what, what we try to do every day. Again, we're, we're, please don't mistake us um, as, as, as experts in this field. We're just trying to do this every day. Um, we go in every day the same way you all do, um, and, and we're trying to be better, and we're trying to learn from each other, learn from the scriptures, and learn from you that are out there um, to how can we be better, how can we influence, how can we um, do the good work that's out there in the kingdom because there's a ton of it. Um, and if we're going to spend a third of our lives surrounded by these people um let's let's try to help them understand why we do what we do um and, and that starts with with what we do um and, and not segregating ourselves so uh we hope this has been enough of a uh introduction teaser lesson to get you to to tune back in with us um you know we're going to keep going uh we're going to do our best um to try to make this a, a weekly effort um, between some of our other responsibilities. But, uh, you know, th there's enough of you that, that want to do this, and we enjoy it enough that uh, we're going to make it work. Um, closing thoughts, Dr. Ray. Yeah, you know, just amen to, to everything that you said. Um, you know, if, if, if God's people have the – if we're salt and light in the workplace, that, that matters. That is a kingdom effort. And, um, and so – Every, every job has its own difficulties and challenges. And we're going to try to tackle those in a systematic way. Um, we won't cover them all, but we, hope, we, we think that there's, there's some concepts and some framework there that can be valuable. But uh, we want God to bless your workplace and wanting to bless ours. And uh, we, we think that we think it is kingdom work and that, and that souls will benefit. Yeah, and, and when we pray for those open doors, maybe it's the one with the open sign on it that we got to walk through tomorrow morning. Um, so let's let's try to think about things in that way, in that light. That you know, every door we walk through may be the door that we needed God to open to lead us to a lost soul or lead us somewhere that's hurting and dying. So it's what we're trying to do here, um, and and we're trying to be better about it. Um, so thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, in advance for your feedback, for your um, comments, for your questions, and uh, we'll do our very best to. Uh, get through the scriptures and provide you some answers and some guidance, at least what we think you should do. Doesn't mean it's the absolute right answer or the only answer, but um, we're going to tackle them the way that, that we think makes sense. Until next time, my friend. All right. Thank you. God bless.